Listeners, this episode involves a personal testimony and discussions on the topic of suicide. In this episode, we hope that you, the listener, become more aware of the tactics that the enemy will use. However, we also hope you are reminded that the light of Jesus Christ always overcomes the darkness. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out to professional help, counseling, or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Again, 800-273-8255. We hope you enjoy this episode, and God bless. Welcome, everyone, to the Proverbs and Testimony podcast. My name is Brad Hux. My name is Chris Blake. My name is David Whedon. And we're just three regular guys who wanted to join forces and create a podcast centered simply around the telling of our personal testimonies. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 32, that whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Here at Proverbs and Testimony, we're going to provide a platform for ourselves and special guests to share their own personal testimonies to you, the listener. Whether you are just sitting at home in the car, at work, or working out, we hope this podcast can provide you with a source of entertainment that can bring you both inspiration and encouragement to your own personal walk with Jesus Christ. In today's episode, we're going to kick off with a light discussion of each one of us sharing a personal quiet time that's been on our hearts in the past couple of weeks, or maybe it's something that we just heard in the past couple of minutes. After following the discussion of our quiet times, we're going to jump straight into today's testimony from our fellow co-host, Chris Blake. Before we get started, I wanted to give a brief explanation of what is a quiet time. A quiet time is a personal time away from all the distractions with scripture and most importantly with Jesus. The key thing is meditating on scripture rather than just looking at it like it's a textbook and just going through it, reading the words and getting down the road. I learned about this while doing the Every Man's a Warrior program, which I talked about in episode one. The Every Man's a Warrior program teaches participants the ABCs of having a quiet time, which are as follows. A, ask questions and record your thoughts and meditations. B, best verse. After meditating, choose a best verse and write it down. Uh, I write it down personally in my, in my journal. Record your best thoughts on this verse. C, communicate back to the Lord in prayer whatever you feel he is impressing on you. For this segment, I would like for each one of us co-hosts to just talk about one of the scriptures that we've meditated on during our personal quiet times. And I would like to start off. My quiet time is on Isaiah 13, 9 through 10. Isaiah 13, 9 through 10. See the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land 
desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So there's some other scriptures, <laughs> as I was telling my co-host, the original scripture was Isaiah 13, 15 through 16. If you would like to do it and look at that, then definitely go ahead because that shows what happens during the days of God's wrath. Now you think about God's wrath and you think of him actually doing it, just like how we think of somebody's wrath being something they completely like give to us. However, what I've seen is that usually God's wrath is his absence, right? Um, like the, like the, the, the story says that the wrath came and the light was no more. It even gets to the point that the rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not even give us light. It even says that the stars of heaven wouldn't even show. So to close on this, on my quiet time, whenever you wake up in the morning and you see the sun, just praise God, say a prayer that he still is here and he still is alive and he still has not left us. When you go to sleep and you're laying in your bed and you're about to close your eyes and you look outside the window, and you see that sun, not sun, sorry, you see that star in that moon providing light into your bedroom. Get out of your bed, get on your knees, and just pray and thank God that even at the end of the day, he is still with us. So that is my personal quiet time. Now I would like to hand the ball off to David. David, what, what were you meditating on? You know, hey, that's a great quiet time. And personal quiet time in the morning is very important. Um, it's, uh, I think, I think we mentioned it in episode one, two, um, meditating day and night is very important. Um, for my quiet time that I picked, uh, traditionally what I like to do is, is I like to get open on my Bible app and I like to start one of those de devotionals. Uh, they're, they're, they're very great. There's a lot of different ones that, that trigger point on like, specifics of if you're struggling with anxiety or fear or worry or how to how to see God more clearly and and I love I love doing those because they help me in my personal walk with Christ uh, when I ended one I, I decided you know what I'm gonna try something different and when my phone buzzes at six o'clock in the morning and says here's the verse of the day because I Turn that on. Um, it helps me wake up in the morning that a noise is going off on my phone, like a lot of us do. Uh, I, I put that on, and I started taking those daily verses, reading those verses with no other distractions, my cup of coffee with me, and the Lord speaking to me clearly. What is he trying to say through this verse? And on this specific day, um, uh, Romans 15, 13 was... The verse, and uh, let me read it here. Uh, this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, so if it's not like your Bible, I'm sorry. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now what does that mean to me? Well, on this specific day, 
it was uh, June 21st, uh, July 21st, forgive me, July 21st. Um, my, you know, my wife just got news that uh, she may have a great new job opportunity in her current job. Um, you know, she knew it wasn't a forever job, but she just didn't know her way out. And then she, somebody spoke to her and said, hey, I got an opportunity for you. Do you want to hear about it? She heard about it. And then the next day I read this verse and I'm like, God is filling us with hope and peace because we were a little hesitant and scared about what was happening right now, but he's filling us with hope and peace. And we got to take that and eat into that. And so right after I was done with that, all I could think is, I'm going to write down my prayer. So I wrote down for the Lord to just fill me with hope and peace and goodness and let it just flow through me so that I can take that and bring that to my work. And I can overflow all of my coworkers with joy and peace. And they, they can see. And when they look at me, they see that is a man of Christ. He's following Christ. How can I be like that? I ran into a kid at work. Um, we got to talking and uh, I haven't seen him in a while because he took some time off for college. He came back as a, uh, he's a technician now. Uh, I got to talking with him out of the blue. Didn't know this was going to happen, but you know, God works in mysterious ways. I'm wearing a shirt that I got from church. Talked to him, found out that he also goes to church. And I'm like, okay. Uh, he's about my age. Let's let's start talking. He's coming to church with me this Sunday. That does not happen normally for me. So a man who doesn't really talk with others sees this kid I haven't seen in a long time. I'm now being filled with hope just because of a, a Bible verse that I read one morning. I'm taking all this in. The God is moving. And I'm going to keep that with me. I'm going to keep that peace and hope in me to share with others. Because someone else is coming to church with me next week. And it's going to be more than just the one kid I did already invite. So that is what I got to experience in a, a personal quiet time. And it just shows you how powerful they can be when you spend that five minutes even. It doesn't take that long to read a verse, but you'll get something out of that verse. So um, with that being my personal quiet time, Chris, what, what what's, what's something you'd like to share of your quiet time? Yeah, so when we uh, started talking about this, it's uh... – Kind of took me I, I think about it for a little bit. Um, so for me, something I deal with, a couple of things I deal with quite a bit. One has been for a very long time is depression um, and, and, and negative thoughts about myself and self-worth. Um, on the other side of that, it's, it's kind of a, a, a strange thing knowing within knowing within our, um, our our group from church is that people strangers have a tendency to just tell me all about their lives. I mean, from just just odd odd meetings I've had with people I've, I've been shopping in Target, and all of a sudden, you know, one of the the folks working there starts, you know. This kicks off a conversation. Next thing I know, I'm, I know where they're where they moved from, what job they're they're getting ready to do an interview for, what their wife does for a living, how many kids they've got, on and on and on. And sometimes it's pretty, honestly, sometimes it turns into some pretty dark stuff. 
now this was helpful when I was uh, working law enforcement and people just wanted to confess everything to me when I arrested them uh, on warrants, things like that. But it's a little bit, uh, it's also something I've, I've run from outside of that in regular life because my fear has been, I don't, how, how, how do I react to what you tell me about your life? Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to come across the right way? And, and then part of that's way back into the whole, whole doubt of self-worth and, and, and those kinds of feelings. But uh, so one of the uh, scriptures, one of the, one of the, my favorite verses, and it's not, you know, an obscure one. Everybody knows it, but it's Romans 8. I began on chapter, or began on, on verse 37. Um, so it's, no, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when I read that, that just made me understand that regardless of, of my personal inward thoughts or anything like that, no matter how I feel about something I've done in the past, where people get, you know, we get stuck on things we've done in our past and you can't change it, feeling bad about ourselves, whatever, that always brings me back to center and going, oh, okay, this, this doubt that I have about myself that I'm hearing in my own head, that's a lie. I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes in our lives. But that didn't separate me from, from, from God. And this, this feeling that I have right now, of worthlessness, of saying the wrong thing, of you know, being afraid that somebody's going to bring something to me that I can't properly come back to them with something useful, get out of your own head. If, 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 he, if, if he's giving you that gift, whatever that looks like, there's a reason for it. And for me, that scripture covers it. And it's coming from coming from Paul and you, you spend time reading about Paul, his life, where he started you're persecuting Christians. He is responsible for not directly taking life himself, but is responsible for, was responsible for many Christians dying for their faith. And he comes around and finds this realization in his heart that, yeah, this is why I was in the past. This is what I did. However, God is there for me. Jesus is there for me. I, 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 there's a purpose for what I'm doing. Um, if part of my quiet time along with that is I like to write. And so for me, um, I will occasionally find something in the Bible that I that really caught my attention and I will just write about it in relation to some part of my life. Sometimes it's something happened in my past story allegories, whatever. Um, sometimes I've had to, uh, our, our uh, group from church our, in our uh, group me app, they've had to deal with me writing quite a bit. And because for me, you know, we're talking about, we talk about quiet time, talking about meditation. For me, that's meditation. And taking something like that and writing about it, actually 
force myself to apply it to something in my life. And what I've found a lot of times is that what I started out had in my mind for what I meant for this comparison between what I read and my life, there have been many, many, many times that what I thought it was started as when I got finished with it was a completely different reality. Um, so, and, and it's, it's something that, it, especially over the last few years, has really helped me gain perspective that I had looked for for a very long time. So, for, for me, that's, that's kind of how that works. As you can see, there's a lot of power and a lot of purpose to having a quiet time. Um, if there's anything you can do, is simply make time for Christ. Um, you would be surprised how effective it is making Christ a priority. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the minutes. It's not about adding it to your time like a chore. If you look at it from those two perspectives, you'll miss the whole point of a quiet time. The key thing is looking at it as a relationship. If you're married, you would understand this because you understand that your time with your wife is is precious. And it's not something that you're going to look at and track like it's going to be uh, timed or you're not going to look at it as having a conversation as a to-do list. I challenge you to have that same perspective with Christ, to, to not rely on it to make you feel good, but to rely on it to fill that void in yourself that is just desperate to need the word of God in the relationship with Christ. So the first thing I ask you to do after this is simply get on the Bible app like David said. Uh, get your scripture, as Chris said. Just seek him because he is at the door knocking. He's knocking. All you have to do is walk up to the door and answer All right. Well, here we are with episode number two as we go into this. Uh, it's a three-part episode of each one of us co-hosts sharing our personal testimonies. And today we we are here to listen um, to our co-host, um, Chris. And, um, you know, he's got a lot to say. Um, a lot of it's going to come out of it. I know just in these couple interactions, you know, uh, that I've had with Chris and our relationships growing just between us and um, we haven't physically been able to see each other, but we're able to talk and communication is key when it comes to uh, um, growing in a relationship with Christ. You want to keep that communication with your fellow followers of Christ and, and, and learning more about Chris, you know, um, he's an awesome dude. I don't know if anybody out there follows him or whatnot, but this guy's got some woodwork skills that maybe we should all check out on. But um, enough about what I got to say about that. Chris has a whole huge story to share and uh, kind of like what he said uh, just a little bit ago, you know, everybody's always asking him, no, I'm sorry. Everybody's always telling him their story. And you know what? I think today it's time we hear more about Chris's story and the testimony that comes out of that. Uh, so, Chris, you know, let's start off this thing and let's dig deep uh, from where you started 
before you had a relationship with Christ, um, your childhood, if it started there or if it, it grew into something like that. So uh, let's get started with this, Chris. Uh, uh, start us off. How did how did that before you came to Christ? What did Chris's life look like? Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, so um, when I was uh, when I was a child, we, we moved to the, we lived in the Charlotte area. We moved to the Charlotte area right after my dad got out of the Navy. Um, so my dad's coming out of the Navy, going to work for a uh, local power company. Um, Mom was a nurse. Both of them stayed in those professions, by the way, until they both retired recently. Um, so when it comes to there, – there's going to be a lot of things I talk about here. and I don't want to make it seem like my entire – uh, childhood leading up to a certain point as an adult was all terrible. Okay. There were things mixed in. I, I had, you know, had a general um, childhood, like, like, like most, most kids. I, you know, play, played sports, you know, had a little interest, you know, being a bit older than you guys. When I was a kid, we went outside and we spent a lot of time outside. And if it was a Saturday or a Sunday um, you know, weekends, I was, out the door about 7 a.m. after a bowl of cereal. Mom didn't see me until she called me. And, uh, but, you know, as far as, you know, we talk about here in, in my testimony, church wasn't really a, a part of our lives at the time. Mom and dad both believe in God, believe in Jesus, and thereby, because they did, I did. But, you know, Going to a, a regular church uh, service on any kind of consistency, just it just really wasn't there, and um, that what you know wasn't until a little bit later on that that really became part of part of you know kind of a, a regular thing that I did. So, kind of leading up to a lot of this, there the mayor, my, my, my mom and my dad are, are haven't been together for a very long time. Okay. And uh, their marriage was pretty rocky. And I'll kind of leave it at that, if that's, that's okay. You know, a lot of stuff in there. And I, I'm, you know, we, we've had to make some peace with some of that. And I don't want to call any, anybody out or place blames or anything like that. So, um, but there that I ended up seeing when I was a kid that a child really shouldn't have to deal with. And that, uh, Probably led into a, a lot of what I dealt with later on. Uh, one, one good thing I can say that came out of their marriage was was my my younger brother. Uh, there's nine years between us, and uh, you know, there's outside of outside of my my wife and my kids, there's probably nobody else in this world that I'm closer to than him. And uh, but thankfully, he uh, other stuff that I dealt with when when, when I was younger, he didn't have to do with. He, he didn't see that. He didn't experience that. And, and I thank God for that. Um, it's not what I think. I think some people in that situation might feel um, slighted in some way or, you know, it was like life is unfair, which it can be. But, you know, that that's something I, I would never want him to experience. And I'm glad he didn't. So I took the brunt of that. And that's that's OK. Um, 
so a lot of, you know, like I said before, a lot of things that, that we had to deal with, you know, we've, I've come to understand that, you know, I had to give some forgiveness for, there are some things there that, that, that honestly I haven't been able to do. And that's, that's, that's on me. But, uh, um, again, so, some of that, that, you know, that I saw as a kid probably led me down sort of the other road where I doubted, I doubted God's love and concern for, for me personally, but also then I think that extended out to my understanding of the world in general. And, you know, throughout, throughout a large portion of my life, I can say that I probably waffled between not fully believing of his love and not believing his existence. I've said many times I was probably as close to being atheist as one can be without fully, you know, buying into the whole package. So, um, but as I, as I, was growing up, going through school, um, I dealt a lot with social anxiety, never really feeling like um, I really fit in, never felt like I had a place. And, and you know, and again, feeling like there wasn't a whole lot of, I didn't, I didn't really feel like anybody had concern for me. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a lonely place. All right. And now, looking back on it, none of it was true. You know, my, my mom did as much as she could do uh, as a single mom trying to raise two kids and trying to work a full-time job and put a roof over our heads and the whole, things that go into being a parent. And then, you know, as I, she's having to deal with a preteen then and, you know, early teenager. And, you know, you, you guys, you know, you're about to, about to be – Dad on Brad's side, David, that's your question. But as you're uh, raising kids, the teenage years are probably the actual the hardest. You know, we'll say it's 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 raising babies and they can't talk and they can't tell you what's wrong and they always seem to have a problem. No, it's the teenage years, especially with guys. I think because we're just full of testosterone. And uh, yeah, after raising after raising three kids, I can tell you that's. It's rough, but um, I said, you know, trying to fit in and still, and still to this day, I still fight with, you know, those, those anxieties, those, those doubts, the, the, the feeling of not always fitting in or that I've got a place. And um, so, you know, again, throw in a, throw in a healthy dose of depression and um, that's kind of a, kind of recipe for disaster sometimes. So, Brad, you have a question? Yeah, man. So you're telling me that as a middle schooler, they're harder when I thought like that was the time period <laughs> where like they start understanding things. Like you're telling me that's not correct and they can actually, bec- they understand things, but not the things you want un- them to understand. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> let, let, me, let me chime in here with that real quick. I grow up, um, I am number seven of eight kids. I have seen it from all of my siblings. I'm not going to single them out. Love you guys to death, but you know, 
we were all teenagers at one time, except for me and my younger brother. It was uh, an experience. Bunk beds all around, all sharing it. But yeah, uh, I, I give props to those people that can. Uh, teenagers, it's a nice, fun year, but you know, you gotta be nice to the parents a little bit. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, to kind of kind of come back to it, uh, you mentioned something about doubting God, mm-hmm. and also you're you're pretty much as close as you can to being an atheist. That with with you kind of use the term without buy, buying in on the whole package. Yeah. Like at that time, like being a kid and then growing up, like, did you have any, and, and, and you kind of mentioned about going to church um, as, as a family, but did you have any influence that maybe was from like people at school or anything like that, that would kind of push you towards uh, an atheist viewpoint? Or was this all things that, that came from, like just your your you know consistent meditation on on things that are going uh, going around. Yeah. So when I was that age, the 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 idea of someone stating verbally they didn't believe in God really wasn't a thing that you did. It's not. It was not as accepted as it tends to be now. So I wasn't around. You know, kids that were deciding, I don't believe in God. I, I, I want to do this, I want to do that. You, if you were asked the question, did you believe in God? This is the Bible Belt. We live in the South. Your answer was yes, regardless of what you actually thought. Um, so, and, and as far as, and the same thing as far as adults go, there was never a situation where I had, you know, any, um, any, any relatives that, that, as far as I know, didn't believe. If they did, they didn't put it out there for for it to be, you know, consumed by the by the teenager. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. Uh, just one thing I wanted to kind of point out is like, you know, the importance of always, you know, as Christians, and 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 you can kind of take this from from your testimony, Chris, is like as Christians, never assume that the person you're engaged with or you're talking with believes and even even to an extent if they're like you're you're talking about this in the church like always try to make sure that you are representing them uh representing christ because those kind of interactions can be that thing that prevents prevents like for chris it could be the thing that could prevent somebody from buying into the whole package and investing you know what i mean so uh, I just wanted to kind of point that out is like anytime we're out in public, like these, I still think to an extent today, like I don't think that many people will openly come out and confess Satan. I know uh, that rapper came out and I'm not going to mention him by name, but he came out and like praised Satan. Like that was an extreme viewpoint that like never has been seen. And uh He's gonna have to deal with that. That's that's that is a that is a line that I personally will never, ever you know. Going back to the scripture we were talking about in quiet time, like, do you want to mess with the God that had the wrath? Read read the scripture, but um, that's that that was an important thing I wanted to kind of just point out and 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 have you clear uh, kind of mention on is 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 in regards to like when somebody starts doubting God, sometimes it's it's based off of their their own 
observations. So uh, sorry for that yeah, rant, Chris. But but anything yeah, else? You know, but, on, but on that same on that same note, why I didn't have folks around me that were talking about not believing. The handful of times that I did find myself in church, it was I often experienced sermons and beliefs and and, and uh, verbalized beliefs from congregation congregation members of churches I would end up in from time to time. That was of a of a God that wasn't forgiving. And, you know, if you, I mean, this is, this is old school talking about, you know, always a sermon talking about people backsliding and, um, you know, are you sure, are you, are, do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? I'm sitting there as a kid going, um, maybe, I, I'm not sure. And, and I keep hearing just, just things being said where the idea of, the whole point of Jesus going to the cross to die to take the punishment for our sins so that we're forgiven seems to be completely lost and almost concept of if you did this, you're going to hell. And, and the whole thing of asking for forgiveness and going to going to God as, as a father, not as a judge, completely got thrown out the window and you know as a kid who's who's trying to who's dealing with things on an emotional level doing the things that he sees in the world that he's hearing that didn't in any way shape or form want me to steer in that direction like okay how you know and as a kid, you know, what have I done that's that bad? Well, you know, if you're a kid, sometimes you can overthink things a bit as I do as an adult and you know, wait, am I sure not? Now I prayed, I asked God, forgive me, but what did I pray? Right. Did I say the right incantation so that God would forgive me when at the end of the day, that's, that's been taken care of. And the, the things that I'm hearing, you know, the preacher judge people about that's not our place. That's never been our place. So I'd say probably, that sort of mentality of the church probably pushed me away from God more than anyone who ever say, I don't believe in God, if that makes any sense at all. But, you know, from that point, once, <laughs> once I, I did start going to church on a regular basis um, after my parents separated, dad remarried, and uh, we, we did start uh, with my uh, dad, stepmom, uh, stepbrother, stepsister. We start to attend a, a rural church here in North Carolina. Very small Lutheran church. Great people. If any of you end up listening, love you. You know, the wrong idea, but it's a very small church. And the three of us pretty much made up the majority of the youth group. For most of the time we were in school up through high school, it was mainly the, the kids from the Blake family. Uh, we had Christmas play. It was it was us. We were there. If we were doing children's choir, we were there. And uh, so got got a lot of time in the Lutheran church for me. After being spending like I said, a handful of, of times in 
Southern Baptist churches, the Lutheran church was a completely different thing. First time walking into it, I had no idea what I was, what I was walking into. I didn't know what Lutheran was. Um, it, it, a lot of, you know, a lot of great members of that congregation, uh, during the time there had several very, uh, wonderful pastors, but again, I never really felt a connection there. And, and, and so within the Lutheran church, I found the, a lot of the judgment that I'd heard in the other churches I'd, I'd been, been in, a lot of that wasn't there. But for me personally, again, nothing against any of the folks that go there um, or those pastors, but it didn't. A lot, a lot of the sermons were very, for me, like 30,000 foot level and, and didn't get seriously deep. And, you know, again, for, for, for someone who's not really finding a connection and to not have a way to kind of tie, th tie things into, into my life at the time, again, I, while, while I was in the building, I wasn't feeling connected to God. So, and that's, after that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. That's a very interesting point because I think that's a lot of things that a lot of people deal with. And I think it also hits on the importance of, of relationship within the church. Um, if you go to church and you don't build on that relationship, you can just get lost. And I think it's as much as it is important for the pastor to be able to preach a good sermon and to have good theology. And to, I think it's even more important to be able to make sure that you're providing the congregation baby food, but also, you know, adult food. I mean, it talks about, uh, I mean, I think it's Paul that mentions all the time. You start off with, with milk and you're supposed to be thirst for that milk and milk's not a bad thing, but, you're also supposed to have grown-up food. And I think for, for how the, the, the baby food comes into the place is going to be based on the, uh, the relationship, is to, to, to have somebody walk you through that baby food, right? Like, think about this. Uh, and you mentioned it, and, and yes, I'm, I'm, we're respecting our first child in November. As a baby, what is usually encountered when the baby is eating food does the baby eat the food itself no the baby needs assistance right mm -hmm. whether it is a person holding the bottle whether it's a, a mother uh, uh nursing or, or whether it's uh, a father getting the spoon and choo-choo train going in there there's always an assistance and during through that assistance it all help, also helps build a relationship now you can even say that that assistance is going to be through jesus christ and it is so true but also we should also take that as an opportunity to, to make sure that we're guiding these individuals through their walk uh, instead of looking at them saying hey to them at church and, and letting them go on to do their own things. We should be seeking that relationship. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely do. Um, I, I, I will say, you know, as, as an adult that, you know, part of it is also, you, you get out what you put into it. So you know, as an adult, it's not just, 
uh, yeah, I won't go. I won't go too far on a tangent here, but you know, if you go to church, that's fantastic. You're taking part in you know whatever groups, that's fantastic. But you know, putting the time in to read to and not just to read the not just to read the Bible, but also to try to find information that ex may explain the thing that you read to help it make more sense. You know, whether that's the, whether that's, you know, dealing with your, your pastor one-on-one, -on -one, or there's a lot of great literature out there from folks that have studied, you know, theology that, you know, if you need particular meanings, what, what, you know, something actually uh, was referring to, which may not make a lot of sense, which if you're reading some Old Testament stuff can really get you there. Um, but, you know, is a, as, as a, as a, as a kid, child, kids of teenage years, to have a, a mentor, you know, somebody who's, who's more mature in their walk with God, that's invaluable. And, and it's not that anybody, you know, in those churches didn't want to, to be that person. You know, part of it is, you know, being an awkward teenager, not wanting to step out there and go, Hey, I don't know about this whole God thing. Can you help me out? But you know, it's also for us to pay attention to those folks, and not just the kids, but the adults as well. That, to your point, and not only how how's it going when you see them at church, but you know how how's it going? What's what's let's be real about it. And you know, so we have these conversations where it's not going great, and you know, people need help sometimes. So, so we definitely need to pay attention to it. Yeah, Dave. You know, I, I like how you said some people need help sometimes. It, uh, it kind of reminds me back to just a, a recent conversation that I had with you guys where I was struggling with something because uh, the enemy will t attack in any way that he sees an entry point. And of course, the more you're doing God's works, the more he sees, I can get you in on that because I'm a lie about this and I'm a lie about that. Um, and, you know, when I finally stepped out and, and confessed to you guys and, and talked with you guys about what I was going through, God spoke through you guys to me and the power of communication with fellow believers grows so strong I mean, it's just, you can feel the presence of God. And I don't know if anyone out there has ever felt the presence of God. But those of you who have, you know what I'm talking about. There is a sense of peace and hope. So I just want to throw out there that I do thank you guys for being in my life for me to go and talk to. So I always know that talking with somebody, especially followers of, of Christ who have something to say that God has put on their heart to say to somebody struggling. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like everybody needs it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you know, for, for me, you know, I'll, I'll kind of mention this in a little bit, but having, having that for me, it was finding the, the our small group at church. And it's not just, you know, it's not just people to go, yeah, Chris, you're right. You're right to feel that way. Or, you know, I don't have, I don't have yes men, nor do I want them. 
Okay, your your real friends are the ones that you can tell you you can open up to. This is what I'm thinking. This is this is what I thought I had in my mind. This is this is what I'm planning on doing. And the real ones are going to look at you and go, if if it's if it's not the right thing, the real ones are going to look at you and go, back up. You know, if if you're going down that that road of you know not believing in yourself or depression or getting ready to go off the rails, the, the ones who care about you, the ones who are they're looking at you going, okay, come, come back over here. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Right. Um, it's not, yeah, finding find that, find those people you can talk to. It's not just somebody who's going to commiserate with everything that you say. That, that's, that's not the way you want to go with it. But I mean, I know speaking for, for I'll speak for Brad here on this one. That's kind of conversations with you. Conversations I've had with, we've had with Brad. Conversations that I've had with you guys. That's, I mean, that's 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 church right there. That's 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 where it is. And it's not judgment. It's not. You might say something to me that I might not like, but we're gonna work through it. So, yeah, that's fantastic. So we kind of moved off into, so move over into high school. Again. You know, did, did the usual stuff, played sports, played baseball in high school. Was not great at it, but managed to make the team. Wasn't my, wasn't my sport of choice. I, I was a basketball fan, but little, little, little small, little slow. But um, again, you know, I had a small group of friends. I'm always, my, my group of friends has always been small. You know, I, I don't go out here claiming, and I got hundreds of friends. No, I got a very small, a very small group of friends, people that I trust. And after that, I have acquaintances. But even you know, even high school with with your high school friends, you know that changes over time. I rarely see any of those those folks anymore. But even then, it's still just there. I never really felt connected on a personal level. And uh, not not until um, my wife and I met in my senior year of high school. Uh, she was a year behind me, and we met. We both uh, were working at the, the local Bilo, and uh, she she was and she still is way out of my league. It makes it made no sense when. I, all right, completely open and honest here. Chris has zero game. All right, she. Awkward, awkward and shy, and she asked me out, and thank, and I, and I thank goodness for that. Um, but uh, yeah, we, so we've been together now. Uh, we've been married almost 27 years. Come October, uh, been together for about 30, and uh, she she was the she she was the one who got me. And uh, we we both come from from some similar home backgrounds, and you know that that's not my story to tell, but we we carried a lot of baggage into into marriage when when marriage came around, and um, both dealt with a lot of unresolved issues from what we saw, experienced marriage to be, and how how people within marriage deal with. Um, you know, the ups and downs that come with every marriage. I don't care how good it is. 
if you tell me you don't argue, you're lying to me. And <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's it's all <laughs> it's all glory. It's all like roses over here, man. Like I don't even know what this argument thing you're talking about is. <laughs> yeah, you keep going with that. It's like my kid in middle schooler. They're going to become a prophet. Like, it's just going to be amazing, man. Absolutely. Everybody else, everybody else is crazy. It's not you. Uh, you know, so that being said, we did argue. And we still do sometimes. And uh, it, it was very, honestly, it's been not until really recently that we started really taking take steps to properly work through things in a way that made sense and not trying to, you know, score keep and, you know, prove who, who was right and who was wrong. I'm probably the worst about that. I'll be completely honest. I, I, I internalize, I stuff, you know, I, I don't, and I have a tendency to, to hold it in until, you know, I blow up. And working on that. You know, Chris, uh, I kind of want to uh, pause for a moment about about what you said when it comes to, you know, sometimes you say you and your wife still, you know, argue, um, you, you know, I argue with my wife sometimes, too. And, and, and you know, we've worked through that, been married for you know, only two years now, but our argues from what they used to be, I know, are a lot different from where they are now. Um, of course, we'll still get that little bicker of what's for dinner tonight. But, you know, we have come so far with that communication. And, and my goal, really what I'm trying to get out of here is because I've dealt with it and I know you've dealt with it. And Brad, I'm pretty sure you've probably dealt with the same thing. What, what, what kind of advice could you give? Um, because this is, this is your testimony and, you know, this is something that's happened in your life. What kind of advice could you give to somebody out there listening right now that, that is struggling? Maybe they're not arguing with their spouse, but maybe they're arguing with their boss or their brother or their sister or uh, a coworker. Uh, what, what, could, what could we say to them to help them and guide them into a, a more loving and uh, mutual ground to communicate. So I, I will start this out by saying, I don't always follow this, okay? I just, things that, th things that I find that when I do them, things tend to work out better. Um, one is, you know, for us, it's been to sit down and actually have a, a conversation. You're going to have disagreements. Whether it's money, whether it's kids, what you're having for dinner, whatever, you know, you're gonna have those disagreements. <sighs> Try your very best to be respectful. Number one, be respectful, okay? Because at the end of your, when you call it spat, disagreement, or argument, you're probably not going to change the other person's mind. What you're probably going to try to work out to do is um, compromise. Okay. Um, you know, for me, when it works out better is when if something has, if something's made me angry, to, to say then, this has made me angry. I don't like what you said to me. Whatever, whatever it might be. Because again, for me personally, if I hold it in long enough, 
and it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might be two weeks from now. It's going to come out in a totally different, I'm going to go zero, zero to 100 in two seconds. It's going to be some little thing that got set off by some other thing that I didn't take care of a while back, right? Um, I would also say stop trying to worry about winning the argument. We all fall into it, especially guys. We're gonna have to. We got to win. We know about winning and losing. And, and somehow, if we give in, if we lose the argument, somehow we're not. We, we lose our man card, right? So, I, I, a great, great thing that, that one of the members of our uh, our, our e group, our small group from church, uh, shout out to Blake Lloyd if he listens to this podcast at some point. He made a comment one night. We're having this very similar discussion. And uh, he said, hey, last time I checked, they're not giving out trophies for winning arguments. I said, yeah, that's probably not a truer word when spoken, honestly, when it comes to those disagreements with your spouse. You know, and, and one of the things that, that has helped me over the last several years is when you have this, when you start having disagreements to try to figure out, is this, is this the hill I'm going to die on? Is it, is it that deep? Now, there are things in life that you will, you will have disagreements about with your spouse that, that they're pretty deep. But I would say probably most of them, in my experience in life, is that most of them are not. They're surface level stuff. You, don't, you think one way, I think the other way. Fantastic. Okay. D determine if this is where you want to really want to go down with the ship. And it's, pro it's probably not, okay? If it's not a moral, ethical issue, this is probably not where you want to go want to die, right? So just, I would say, just try to keep those things in mind. Again, for everybody listening, I am not trying to tell you that I've got this marriage thing figured out. Okay, we just had an argument this morning and did I follow all those rules? I did not, okay? Did, I, did, did it turn out the way I want to? Absolutely not. So. Just, just suggestions. I'm not writing any books on marriage, so. No, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing those to somebody who, who's out there listening. It's, and, and they're great advices. Of course, I don't always follow them, but you know, I do appreciate you uh, giving some advice out there. For sure. I like to throw two things, and uh, and at no point. I mean, I've only been married for almost two years now, oh. um, so I'm very, I'm a young buck. Uh, but two things that I've kind of, I've been, uh, entertaining, I would say, um, is one, usually the disagreement is based on the same idea and it usually both sides have the same intentions. It's just a different direction. And, um, like, gosh, like one time me and Kayla got into an argument, I'm not going to say on the specifics of it. And, I said, hey, like, w I, we, I was like, we need to backtrack real quick. I have the same intentions that you're having with this. And like, we were like, what are we arguing about? It's like, cause, you know, we just got on the complete opposite mm -hmm. side. Yeah. Also, the one thing is that, that I want to kind of echo Chris about is like communicating with these things that you don't like or if it hurts you to your spouse. Now, what 
I tend, I figured out is the best way to do it. And that is to change if, if, if life goes that way is to always make sure anger is out of the picture to make sure things have died down. And sometimes it's even better to kind of bring up, Hey, this is something you said during an argument we had like a couple days ago around like, you know, find the sweet spot to do it. It's not necessarily that you don't want to do it, but the problem is, is when you sit, if you're like in deep argument with somebody and all of a sudden you bring that up during this conversation, like it could be about something completely different. And now all of a sudden you're wanting to uh, bring this into the picture. You just like, covered that whole problem and it's not going to get addressed so the key thing is like you know to always communicate with your spouse what things have upset you but try to do it in a way that's not necessarily being brought out during the chaos yeah i agree totally agree um so let's see um but uh uh, after high school courses on to college and uh, this is probably where I've really started shifting away from from God from even trying to find a connection I, I won't say not trying to find a connection because I did for, I did get very interested in, in studying religions in general so I've always been interested in why people believe what they believe um, not necessarily agreeing with that but I've always, found, I've always found that interesting I think probably in some part that was again me trying to find a connection in something but um you know it's like like most well like a lot of kids you go off to college you get that first that first taste of freedom and start doing things on your own you don't have to ask permission to stay out late to go here to go there not that anybody would know what I'm talking about there but yeah, going to church became it was it became a thing that I just really didn't do on Sundays. I'm there, I'm by myself, I'm at school, and I'm in the gym. I'm playing basketball. I'm running. I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and you know, church is just becomes a thing that I don't really even at that point worry about anymore. Um, and during that time, um probably close to my senior year of college, um, found out that one of my uncles had contracted HIV. Um, he, he, he was homosexual. That's just a fact of his life. Um, he was a very, very good man. And soon after I found out that he was sick. At that point, he actually had, he was in the, the full, uh, the full throes of, 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 of AIDS. And uh, he, he was dying through, you know, all the, the, the drug, um, the drug therapies that we have now that, you know, are so helpful, thankfully, for folks that, that, that have HIV. Uh, it's not, Perfect, it's not a cure, but you know, uh, for me again, being quite a bit older than you guys, I mean, I very, remember very clearly in the '80s when you know AIDS became a thing that we knew about, and people 
were just dying left and right. And um, yeah, so so thankfully, medicine caught up with that. But you know, he 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 died soon after. And for me, knowing the kind of person that that he was, um, and not everybody's going to agree with this. I don't. His his sexuality meant nothing to me. Okay. It's his preference meant nothing to me. He was family. He was a good man. He several times, you know, took care of me when my parents were working, took care of my brother. Um, when my parents separated, you know, he was always there for me. He was just, just a good man. And, you know, I, you know, to 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 this day, if anybody had ill anything ill to say about him, we would have problems, a lot of them. But at that time, for me, it's it's, it's this is not unique to me. This is a concept that people have dealt with for probably as long as we've been able to form thought. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I struggled. I struggled a lot with that. It still do. I mean, it's not like I came up one day and decided, oh, I understand why things happen to people. But at that time, for something like that to happen to him, just, I think at that point, there was no, there was no part of me that believed a caring God would allow it to happen. So to me, I think at that point, I, Pretty much just stop believing altogether, and um, it, it was it, and it was a long time. That was something I really just couldn't come to terms with, and uh, it probably wasn't. It wasn't until our our, our oldest uh, child was born that um, I heard God's voice again. And, you know, I know everybody talks to me, you know, that their, their first child, the newborn, and all of these great, Rosie. And in that moment, I remember holding him in, you know, in, in the, uh, the nursery and just I look at him. And I can't tell you it was like an, I'm not going to say it was like somebody, like an audible voice. I'm going to say, you know, voice came down from heaven. This is your son. Uh, it was, but it was a very clear thought and understanding. No, there, there's God, and, and and this is this is evidence. Okay, I can't I can't quantify it more than that, honestly, at that point. But that was just an overwhelming feeling I had. And now, that still the the, the connection to God wasn't there. The understanding that He loves us wasn't there yet but my my understanding that okay wait okay he's he's there and there's there, there's something here it's, and that's that's and as again i know it's not a great explanation but that's the best wording i can put to it for that moment um 
but you know, go, going forward, you know, like I said before, my wife, wife and I came into marriage with with lots of baggage, and and um, probably not the most mature outlook on what marriage should look like. There's a lot, of, a lot of arguing, a lot of arguing, um, and we we both we both know how to push buttons, and that's another thing I can suggest. If you if you if you're if you're good at that, please stop doing it. Okay, um, you want to destroy a marriage? Find a way to push buttons. But we were great at it, and. Uh, one day, uh, after a really intense argument, and can't tell you what it was about, don't remember, honestly. I, I finally reached a, I reached a point where I had, throughout so much of my life, I had dealt with people, people arguing, big things, little things, just. It seemed to be a constant part of a constant part of life, and that mixed with what I existed in my mind, with you know my depression, how I saw the world already. Um, finally, I, I I'll say I snapped, and I had in my mind I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, shortly thereafter, I found myself locked in the bathroom with a handgun loaded and ready to go. Um, it's probably in there for a good hour. Um, whole time. Just I was so far gone. And that emotion, emotionally, that moment, I remember screaming, just screaming, at the top of my lungs. And the whole time, I'm trying my best to get up the nerve. I'm trying to get the nerve at that point to pull the trigger. There's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, And there wasn't anything that anybody at that point could say to me to pull me off that ledge. And the way I, the way I understand things to me, that was the probably the second time that I heard God speak to me. But I also heard the devil. And when I say I heard them, I mean, if people are going to, people may hear this and go, you are absolutely insane. Uh, you were way, far off, way further off your rock than you thought you were. Um, some people are going to say, well, it was just your, your conscience playing on you. For me, I know what it was. And, and anybody can believe whatever they like. But I heard very audibly, God? And the devil. And on the one side, I'm hearing, pull the trigger. This will all be over real quick. 
do it. You're worthless. This, this thing's meaningless. And you don't have to do it anymore. You can end it right now. And the other side, so the exact opposite. And the whole time I'm, I'm seeing in my mind why, if I did it, what my wife and potentially my son would walk in and see. And having having actually seen scenario, situations where people have committed suicide in person, I knew what that actually looked like. This, this wasn't... Um, this wasn't a sanitized thing that you see in a movie. I, I know what it looks like, and it's horrific. And that was also flashing through my mind that that's what they would see. That would be their, if I did that, that would be their last memory of me. And luckily for me, the positive voice went out. Um, It, 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 it's something that my wife and I have talked about since then. And luckily she doesn't understand, she doesn't understand the concept of that feeling. I don't want anybody to. And it's the thing now that it is a, it is a scar. But it's a reminder of it's a reminder that I didn't give up, and, um, and so after that happened, it was part of. I mean, I was mentally, emotionally spiraling out of control, and that was that was a climax. And um, again, you know. The only way I could, only way I could deal with it after that, I did I did um, get counseling. Um, I didn't have the I didn't have the, the 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 interaction through through church or friend group that I have now. But you know, um, my wife had to deal with it as as well she, as one can be equipped to do that has doesn't understand that that feeling. So, and um, it's something that, that I was, it's something, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment that I think about almost every day. I don't, I don't have that desire to do that. Don't, don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when you have, when you have a serious moment like that, it's something that just doesn't go away from your thoughts. And um, it's one of the things that when, when I write, it it it, it um, pushes a lot of that those those types of thoughts that got me to that point. Um, but yeah, that that for me is bad bad as bad as real as it gets. And um, 
So I, I, I would I would say, you know, if everybody's out that if anybody hears this, ever has a thought like that. You know, for me for me it was seeking professional help, counseling, talking to someone who was not attached to me, that was, you know, outside of my sphere of family or influence or, or whatever it is, that could look at it objectively and taught me through that 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 time. You know, if it's if it's uh, if it's through church, pastor, if it's through friend group, whatever it is. I cannot stress enough, talk to someone because that feeling, why, you know, that feeling is something just, if you've experienced it, it doesn't just go away on its own. And it is, it is cliche to say it, but it's got to be said, it's not, it is not an answer. And I think the best thing I've heard it called is the, uh, permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. So hearing that, it just reminds me of of of, uh, of the verses from Paul where he says, like, I prayed that God would take this thorn out of away from me, but he never did. But with that thorn, he also used that to glory, to 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 expand the kingdom of God. Uh, God had a purpose for that thorn. Uh, that thorn, uh, my theology might be bad, or, or or just my basic Bible experience. Like I don't, it's my understanding that it never really got into detail about what that thorn was. But you know, it's also understood that while on earth, never took that thorn away. Mm-hmm. But that thorn was also the thing that kind of was used to spread what well, he used that thorn for good rather than bad. So my question is, is has your situation that you just went through that you explained to us, have you, cause you also told us um, that a lot of people come to you and they mm-hmm. talk to you. You have, you have like that magnet, like, it was funny because even when I started having like very minor things, I came to you and started talking to you about them. And uh, so you, you definitely have like this, this, this gravitational pull (laughs) uh, for people have, have you had any experiences where that scenario and that presence and hearing God's voice and, and being that close to, to taking your life, have you used that to help talk with somebody who came to you and 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 y'all kind of had that connection without calling yeah. out, you know, obviously yeah. people, but um, you know, probably probably the closest, probably the closest to that, um, because the the job that I do, I I I meet people in you know public all the time in their homes and spend quite a bit of time <laughs> uh, with them and. Uh, not not too long ago, um, I, I I was working with a customer, and uh, apparently, and, and I I hadn't I didn't recall it right away. Apparently, I had been in her house about a year before, when she'd had a really bad breakup with uh, a guy she'd been dating for a while, and um, 
and, and when she was telling about it, I, I recall it and she was she remember crying and and we, and we you know she then shared with me what was going on and we talked and, and she said yeah that made me feel a, a lot better and next thing i know she's opening up to me about uh, another relationship they had gone south and we'll go into the whole details of of all that but it was um situation talking to her where I could tell really really what she said was that you know she she was lacking in her her understanding of what she was worth now she wasn't thankfully wasn't going down you know wasn't going down that same road I had in that that particular situation but it's a as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm dealing with a person who doesn't understand their self-worth and, and, and I know she's, and I'm hearing her say, you know, she's blaming herself for things that, as she's telling them to me, are clearly not her fault. And in that moment, because I, as I told you guys before, my, my fear with that ability has always been saying the wrong thing not having the right thing to say to that person, not having the proper words to help them with with what they've brought to me, which clearly they felt some need to get out. And in that moment, I still say it, it was just anything I said, anything I said positive, you know, in the right way to her that, that day was, was coming straight from God. But it was, you know, her the first thing I really said to her was, you got to, you've got to understand your worth. And I don't, I, I try to be careful when I'm talking about, um, I can say religion. I'm talking about God. I don't get off on religion. Religion for me is not a thing. I, I don't, religion, religion is almost a dirty word. Um, I, I talk about experience of God when I'm, when I'm talking about things like this. And, and I remember saying to her, you know, God has put has put a bigger worth and a value in your life than, than than this relationship, which you know that if you allow this person back into your life, this is going to happen again. You're worth more than that. And there was some you know, lengthy conversation after that, but you know it's one of those where there for a while, every so often, I would get a text from her, "Hey, just you know, just checking in, let you know, you know things are going well. You know, come back up, you know, praying for you, let you know." It's just just having some conversation back and forth where, where for for me, my experience in life that. That's the only way I could come up with anything that would that, that person who's feeling that way about themselves can gain anything out of you know out of our conversation. It's coming from that sort of feeling and dealing with that and coming out of something like that. Um, it's, it's probably probably that's probably the biggest one. So you know, as I said, it's 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 a scar. 
but it's also it's also part of my growth and it hurt and it hurts when I think about it and I try to dwell on it but I'm you know in a strange strange way that that moment and coming out of that moment maybe stronger in a lot of ways and and, and I'll be honest at the, at that moment it that's not the way it struck me I, I saw it just as oh that was my weakness that was my time where I almost gave up well no the almost is you didn't give up I'm, I'm still and I think Brad we talked about one night you know, might my, my understand God's grace if it if I didn't if God's grace wasn't there, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't have had that moment where I understood this this thing that I'm feeling right now isn't where it's supposed to end. And, you know, well, again, while it hurt, I'm here, I'm stronger, I'm stronger. And but I also want people to understand that, you know, again, if you're feeling that, don't, don't, God, do not sit and stew in that. Talk to someone. Even nowadays, thankfully, you know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're lucky enough in this world right now to have a job, so many companies have, I think, what we call EAP programs, where you can actually get help for, for various things. And one of those is mental health issues. And, you know, a lot of them are, you know, five or six uh, sessions with a therapist to talk, you know, just, just, just get it out in the open and talk about it and, you know, and get some help. But, um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this beforehand, so I want to make sure I mention it before we go any further which I spoke before about the fact that I did receive counseling. That's not a dirty word. Okay. That's, that's not something that means you're you're broken or less than we, we, we all got, we all got to get up our chest and talk to somebody. Somebody again, not affiliated with us. That's neutral. They can just there to hear us out and then also speak some truth to us. And maybe we're lying to ourselves. Um, The other, is um, the, the suicide hotline, and so that number is 800-273-8255. Okay, um, and let, let me repeat that because this is important. 800-273-8255. Because I, I, I'm what you're. Your, your feelings that got you to, if you're at that point, the feelings that got you there are, your feelings are real. They're not, they're not being ignored here. But that end point you're thinking of, that you might be thinking of, that's, that's not the answer. So I'm begging you, please, call somebody, talk to somebody, get it out in the open. And if, if, if you do it for no one else, do it for yourself. Okay. Yeah. 
just got to be real. And if, if, if there's anything about us three guys being on this together, we're going to be real. Uh, that was deep, but there's something huge that I took out of what you said in the past, just the past couple of minutes. Um, and it could hopefully really benefit somebody that just heard that phone number that you spoke of, but through your life and what you have said about God's always kind of just been there, but you've never really fully experienced it or, or, or accepted it in the sense. <clears throat> and when you mentioned about your son having your firstborn child and you said you felt that presence it made me really think and, and, and actually really hear God say who he is in that moment uh, when, when you were holding that child is that God is a God of life. He's a God of life when, he, when you got a child. He was a living, breathing child. And God still stayed connected with you through that. You went on this, this path of darkness that people go through and don't know how to handle it. But God is a living, breathing Holy Spirit within us. He gave life through you, into you, and gave you that second chance and really let you hear his voice of what to really do and how to seek that help. And you mentioned, yeah, right now it's a scar. And it is. It's a scar and it's something you can talk about and it's something you sh you can share with other people who are struggling with it, who can get help and ultimately start that next step path of a relationship with Christ. But it reminded me of a song that I hear on the radio all the time from Cast and Crowns. And he says, there are no more scars when you get to heaven. The only scars that are in heaven are the, on the hands of Jesus Christ through his hands, nail marks. Those are the only scars you'll see in heaven. So the scar that you carry here on earth may be a story of your life that you can share and build and, and share that testimony to, to gather more people to follow Christ. But once you get to heaven, that scar is clean as when you were first born, because you'll have that new body that Christ ultimately gives you. So that, what you said all just God is a God of life. If there's nothing else that you, when I'm talking right here that you hear me, understand God is a God of life. And people are here on this earth to live and have that second chance, even though they may go through something super hard and dark. I just had to share that real quick. Like I said, we're being honest here. And I honestly, that was on my heart the whole time you were talking. That's great. I appreciate it. So I'll jump ahead a little bit. Um, so eventually through, I can't say it's luck. God placed us there. We did find, we did find a church that, that we made home for a while. And the way we got there, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for a church. But uh, the kids, the kids got uh, 
at the time, uh, it was uh, our, our two our two oldest got involved in sports, uh, sports league at this particular church, playing basketball, and um, you know they, they they played the league they played the league that year, and at the end, both of them uh, as as most uh, sports leagues do give out you know awards, especially for younger kids at the end of the year, uh, and both of both of our kids that were playing were uh, received what they what the church what that league called the Christian Christianship Award. Um, so they had a big presentation uh, during church service, and this is the first. So I think this was the first church service we actually went, our first service we went to at that at that particular church, and um, it just kind of felt like home. All the way to explain it, just it just fit, and uh, we we were there for quite some time. I, I didn't again. I was still searching for. I think I can say for a lot of my time when I've when I have tried to make that connection with God, I was always looking for some epiphany, like this moment of, oh, there it is. You know, reading. I hear this hear the stories of someone's going through this hard thing in their life and. The Bible they accidentally knocked their Bible on the floor and it opens up to this particular passage. And they read it and everything is opened up for them, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I was just kind of thinking, you know, I've never had that that aha moment. So, you know, I kept, I'm looking for this, this epiphany, this thing where, oh, all the secrets just open up. And, you know, that often doesn't happen. It's not the way it works. Right. And that's on me. That's that's you know being immature in 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 a, in a faith, but um, and we still but again it was still we still enjoyed it we like like going there, and finally after after going there for a couple of years, um, there was a a men's group that met that met on Sunday morning early Sunday mornings like at six a.m. and uh, so where we were living to where the church was was about. It's about half an hour away. And so it's like, eh, church, you know, men's group. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try it out. And it went, and it was my first, I think that was the first experience where I was together, I was with a group of men that I think it always, I think I'd always kind of looked at. I have to say this, and people not take it the wrong way. I always kind of had this feeling of Christian men being kind of neutral, kind of basic, kind of you know neutered almost. Okay, we're all going to walk around with you know very soft voices, and we're going to talk about how God's wonderful and my and my day is great. And that's not what that's not what I found. Okay. Christian men are men. These were these were masculine guys talking about God and saying saying openly. Probably one of the first times I'd really, I mean, dealt with men who are not related telling each other, "I love you," and meaning it, and not not having to preface it with "love you." Hey, you know, like a brother, you know, be cool with that. You know, it was. It wasn't. There wasn't a. There wasn't a. 
there wasn't a need to explain what I meant when I say, Brad, I love you. David, love you. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Thank you. And have very real conversations with these guys in a group where I could explain what I was feeling as a man, felt my shortcomings as a man in the, in the, the arena of leading my family, of walking with God, of just what in the world am I supposed to do here? What is my place in this world? And that was the first time, and I say this a lot and how people take it. That was the first time I found church outside the outside of a building, but had finding family in church. Which I mean we 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 read the stories, that's how it started. Church wasn't a building, you know, it, it was group of people getting together, like-minded individuals, learning about God, talking about God, learning how to place that in their lives. And that was, again, that was, it's probably the first time I heard that term, and I just, it just clung to me. One of the guys said it, one of the, one of the leaders in the group said it one day, he goes, this is my church. I, I love pastor, you know, won't name name, love this, this building, this congregation, but because you guys right here, this is my church. And that, that stuck to me when he said that. Was that to me, you know, for me, my simple mindedness, that was profound. I'm going, that was, I think that probably was my epiphany. I went, oh, this is what it is. Um, and so I was with him for, for, for a while. And then we uh, found our current church um, again by luck. Um, I'll say the name. We go to Elevation Church here in uh, the area of Charlotte we live in. And so, uh, interestingly enough, I had heard about Elevation for quite some time locally, and it was kind of looked at as possibly a cult. I'll just throw it out there. That's what was being said about it. And uh, I'm of the age where if you, you whoever's listening, you guys um, may, have, may or may not have heard of Jim Baker. And, and PTL, if you haven't. So fun fact, uh, a couple days ago, me and my mom were having this exact conversation. And uh, I listened to a story on Jim Baker. Because, wait, wait, we were talking about like just – because I've heard people say that, oh, Pastor Steve Ferdick is just another Jim Baker. And I was like, who's this Jim Baker guy? And after listening to it, the I don't see that comparison being accurate. Mm -hmm. um, I also will caution anybody from, how can I say this as blunt as possible, but with also making sure I get the point across. When somebody's personality is outgoing and contradicts what you expect a pastor's personality to be, which means you're authorizing the fire going to Leviticus by saying this is the type of this is the type of speaking that is required to worship God or to, or to, or to praise His name. I would very caution you on that because. 
I that's what I've kind of got is when people look at and, and of course, you know, does Stephen Furtick make a lot of money? Well, yeah, but he also has a lot of books and he also has um he also has all the music. I mean, I feel like we're also at that time period where when it comes to our preachers, I look at it this way. As long as they're tithing 10 percent and they're living the word and, you know, they are they are living God, then, you know, that that's the minimum that I think it should be it should be met i mean as long as they're not uh addicted to money um or not addicted that's a bad word but you know the love of money right i i i just think that's when when people and i think we hear a lot of the older crowd saying you better watch out that's a jim baker because i think they were also individuals that fell for it yeah because you listen to it and and then i'm sorry this is my last thing the one thing that i've I've heard Jim Baker do and what was the difference between Jim Baker and Stephen Furtick is a lot of people think about the personality. I've, I, I've been following elevation for like two years. I've never heard Stephen Furtick do an, uh, a fundraiser uh, outside of like, you know, the year end offering, which is pretty much similar compared to any other church that I've attended. Um, and honestly, in the, in the land is plain. If, your faith is so dependent on an individual. It doesn't matter if they're they're preaching firestone. What is it, fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. or if they're yeah. just like preaching the deepest uh, the- theological uh, sermon, or they're doing a, 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 a let's just say for the for the sake of this to show the extreme a word of faith movement. It doesn't matter what the preacher is doing. If the preacher goes down and you are led astray, then I would personally question your salvation because you're supposed to grow beyond your relationship with your pastor, but grow directly with the relationship with Jesus Christ. Sorry, that's just something that just came. No, it's good. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to that point, you know, we had lived, lived through those that that story was well, never was national at the time, but we were all very familiar with him because he started his uh, uh, Jim Baker started his ministry in, in, uh, over in Fort Mill. And for those of you who don't know, he had a they had a theme park, so it was real. Yeah, look it up. Anyway, so I heard about this. Heard about you know heard about this pastor who's uh, you know had had the church in Ballantyne and was on doing it remotely on all the other locations, including uh, a couple places in Toronto and all over the, and we went, wow, what, what is this? And I kind of, you know, joked about, let's go check out the cult once, you know, one, one Sunday and see what's going on. Never did do it at the time, but a friend of my daughter's invited her to uh, Code Orange Revival. I guess that would have been early, was that early 2017? Don't hold me to it. But late 2016, early 2017. And uh, so she goes the first night. And I remember saying to my wife, guarantee she's going to come back. And she's just going to be totally sold on it. And she did. Came back. You guys got to You got to see this. You got to You got to go. And I think, well, what better, what better time to go than see what my daughter's getting into here. And, uh, you know, we, we go. Had to get to just a little loud music. Yes, we do actually hand out earplugs if you want them as you come into the service. 
Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm hearing, I'm hearing him talk, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening for the cultish stuff. You know, how are you gonna, how are you gonna try to sell me on? You're gonna try to sell me something here. You're gonna give me the word. You're gonna make something up and go with it. And you know, I'm no theologian, but everything rang true. And I go back and I can read it. You know, the things they're, they're great about is. And, and for me, it's always been a big thing is people taking verses and using them to as they want and take them out of context. And one of the first things he said, I think it might have been the first night was, look, don't just don't just listen to what I'm saying here. Just read it for yourself. Read what comes before that and read what comes after that. And if I'm wrong, don't listen. And I tried him out. You know, that's that's the best way I can do it. And. Um, so again, it, kind of, it just kind of stuck. It felt right. And so we started making, we made that our regular, that, actually at that time, we were going to our original church and then finishing that service, uh, the early morning service and driving from there about another 30 minutes over to Elevation to catch the 1130 service. And we did that for, for a few months. Um, and uh, then, we, then, then as that progressed, then they, they came up with um, opportunities to volunteer. And again, that wasn't something I was looking for. Uh, looking, looking for, I just want to go to church, and I liked it and felt right, and it sounded, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And when I say enjoy it, I'm not saying that every sermon is said to make me feel good. Sometimes it steps on steps on my toes. It doesn't always feel good, but it's always useful. But uh, we found opportunities to to to, uh, to volunteer, and again, this is this is really probably the first time I'm outside of you know the men's group as far as a church as a whole. This is I've, I'm starting to connect here, and you know taking that time to do something else that's not just for me, but it's trying to also help someone else get that connection. Now, for me, it was volunteering, working in production, which there's a lot of production goes into uh, elevation uh, worship experience. But for me, it was trying, doing what I can, whatever small level it is, to help somebody get connected that wasn't connected, that hopefully doesn't take them years to do it. Um, and then here, okay. At uh, Elevation, we call them e-groups, or a lot of churches call them small groups, or whatever you might call them. Just small groups of, of folks there, there at the church to get together outside of church. Maybe it's my home, maybe at uh, maybe at church, but in a, a meeting meeting room, something like that. Um, and get together and just talk. And you know, maybe it's a study. Maybe we're talking about having an in-depth conversation on the sermon from that week. And sometimes, and it happens a lot, some other need that will come maybe maybe through the sermon, through, through what was going on, just general conversation, but things come up in people's lives. And in that moment, they're trusting that their group is going to hold them up. And like I said, I wasn't looking for that. And I found it. 
And had I not had I not found it, I wouldn't be here talking to you with Brian and David. Wouldn't even know David. Um, but you know, and, and the strangest things that have been, we were meeting in person originally. Then when COVID hit, we're doing it remotely, which is how Brad came into Brad and Kayla came into the group. But uh, you know, I, I've I've I'll tell you, I've not had a lot of what I call friends in my life. Like I said, my friend group is always small, super small. And people that I actually trust uh, is few and far between. I often say I don't really like people that much. But I found a group of people that I, I call, I, and I have said to their faces many times, they're probably sick of hearing me say it, but I tell them, you know, your family. If you come to my house, you better not knock on my door. You better come on inside. You know, and and that's and I'm not joking when I say that. And I remember had the, probably the first first Thanksgiving after we had been there going meeting with the group for a while, and I spoke some group over to the house uh, for Thanksgiving. There, their family was far away. And like, you know, come up to the house. We're having dinner. You know, we're doing the whole thing. Come on over. And uh, I said. You come over, don't, I said, don't even, I said, your family, don't bother knocking on my door. Just walk inside. You know, I'll, I'll knock, I said, I'll, I'll be offended if you do. So, you know, these, these are folks that, um, that mean a lot to me. And like I said, this is the, the other part, the other experience of, of, of really experiencing church outside of, outside of the building. Um, it kind of reminds me, I, I was laughing uh, when you said that because I remember like the first time I got to meet you and meet everybody in the e-group. It's, it's, you, you look at COVID and I don't know if y'all would have gone virtual like y'all did, but y'all did. And that allowed me and Kayla to join. And I can't even tell you what really <laughs> pushed us to doing it. But I remember doing the, uh, was it Easter? Mm -hmm. uh, we created Easter baskets. I was like extremely pumped. Like once that became an idea, like I was pumped until we got to meet. And then when we met, like, dude, like that was the first time I met y'all in person. And it was like, we've known each other for a while. I remember me and you were talking and um, Emily came up to us and it's like, y'all look like y'all are two individuals that have that own a pocket knife. And me and you looked at each other. It's like, what is that even supposed to mean? And, but at the end of the day, we both had pocket knives on us. <laughs> So when you were talking about come in the door, I was like, I don't know, man. You got two guys that's got pocket knives. <laughs> you should you should never feel safer. But uh, you know, and I, and and I've, as I mentioned before, kind of in passing, we were first talking about uh, quiet time. I like to write, um, but it's always been something I kind of did for for myself. I didn't let anybody read you know read what i wrote and a lot of us because you know i didn't think it was good or it was just like very personal but you know let's talk about it and would mention it in the group and it's through it's in, and through them and through their um support and support a lot of things i thought we've talked about in the group it's something that i started doing again which some people call it journaling Whatever you want to call it, this is what I do. All right, this is how I get my thoughts out, and it's helped me tremendously. But I wouldn't have even started that back up had it 
had it not been those conversations with them, with those folks. But, um, but you know, at the end of the day, wrap it up. That's that's me. That's how I've gotten to this point. And um, you know, hopefully, whoever's listening got we can get something out of it that, that is helpful in their life or positive for them. Chris, I just want to say thank you for sharing everything. Um, you know, just just the key thing that we mentioned when starting this is we want to be able to to tell our testimony. And um, I don't want that to get limited. Um, this one went long, but I really, you know, my thing is I – don't care. Um, I think putting a limit on a podcast about somebody's testimony is putting a limit on God. Um, because like we were saying, it could be the smallest detail that pulls somebody in. And I don't want to take those small details for granted. So, um, just everything that you talked about tonight, um, thank you. Um, thank God, thank God to be, to, to, to put his head, uh, his voice in your head before, he, before pulling the trigger. Uh, thank God for, 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 for bringing us together to, uh, through, through, a dark time in COVID-19. Thank God for, 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 for putting you into that church where you got to see the true, the true Christian masculinity. Thank God for, 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 for allowing you to find another church home and, and, and elevation, which leads to where we meet today. Like, if you limit somebody's testimony, you limit all the opportunities where you can sit there and you can say, thank God. And your whole story is an example to thank God. I mean, you went through some stuff and you were open, extremely open about that. And these are things that other people can go through that other people go through. And we just hope through this, through this podcast that somebody's going to listen to this and it's going to, it's going to resonate and it's going to direct them towards God. And I mean, I could go on of, of how much this, your story just convict me. It inspired me, but the most important thing is before going to bed at night to get on the knees it just thank God. Like, thank God. Simply, thank God. Thank you for, for, for sharing everything with us, and thank God. I didn't, I didn't say it um, right after Brad, but another thing I, I got to just thinking just now is um, – when you when you when you first started talking, um, you brought up and mentioned 
how a lot of people look as God is a judge. He judges you. And that, that really turns people away from wanting to even look at a Christian because they're like, well, if God judges, well, then you're just judging me too. But you said you can't look at God as a judge. You look at him as your father. And when Brad was saying, thank God, thank God was your father. He stayed there with you. He stayed there through everything. He knew the outcome and you still had to go through it. But thank God that you had a heavenly father to have you here today because you not only, I mean, like we said it before, I mean, you really helped me out in what I had to confess when we first got on. And if it wasn't for your testimony and you being here today because of your heavenly father, not your judging father, I would not have been able to hear that. So yeah, thank God that he is a father who lives and he raises children like you to be the center of a life-changing movement. So with like every episode, we like to close out and give everyone the opportunity to make that connection with God. And um, make sure that, that, that everyone understands that this is not a situation to just consume, but also gain something from hopefully from the things we talk about, things we will continue to talk about down the road. And for those desiring to have a relationship with Christ, I have some really great news for you. He's been desiring a relationship with you before you were even born, and he's ready for you now. There's no reason to wait any longer. You don't need to get yourself more ready for him. You don't need to get yourself right. He's already done the job. He's just waiting for you to come to him. Romans 10.9 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're ready to make a step of salvation, say this prayer with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him. I will trust him as my savior and follow him as Lord from this day forward. God, my life, help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. If you just said that prayer, take a minute and celebrate. This is an amazing step in your faith and you need to make it known. Send us a message on, your, on our Facebook page. Let your friends know and better yet, join a local church. If you're not part of one right now, your next step in faith is to get baptized and whichever church you attend can make that happen pretty quickly.
that's it for this episode of Proverbs and Testimony. We hope it has added something positive to your life. We would love to hear from our listeners. Send us your testimonies, prayer requests, and praise reports. Let us know if we can share them on a future episode. Until then, as we're told by Jesus in Matthew 28, go and teach the gospel and the gift of salvation to everyone within your reach so that they themselves can enjoy the gracious gift of everlasting eternal life.